0: What are we talking about?
1: So, I thought after the last episode, it would be useful to kind of talk about what it means to have friendships and relationships uh, as an artist, Mm -hmm. Uh, just because I think, because there's sort of that innate, like, business marketable side, as well as the kind of innate competitiveness that, if we're not careful, can kind of creep into it, um... A lot of times it's easy for me to feel really lonely, even though I'm surrounded by people that I respect and are cool. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just hard, I think, sometimes to find the depth of relationship when it's ironic because artists are very sensitive and deep by nature. And so what is it that prevents that kind of depth? And what is it also that makes me sort of feel worse if there isn't that depth in a relationship? Because I've always been somebody that feels like I want to jump right to the really deep stuff and get right in the thick of it. And that's not often how people interact or feel comfortable interacting. Um, And maybe that's, there can be a commentary on why that is. But at the same time, I think it's important to realize like, you don't have to be best friends with everyone. Yeah. Uh, And I always fall victim and stir up if I feel like that's not the case. Mm hmm. Um, you feel that way too?
0: Yeah, I'm getting better at uh, navigating through that, but yeah, sure. Yeah, Rosemary kind of gives me a hard time about it sometimes because uh, I'll neglect more important parts of my life for the sake of, uh, you know, fostering relationships that aren't they don't need to be anything deeper than they are because, yeah, I'm the same way. I, I'm I'm of the of the ilk that if you kind of like what we were talking about in the previous episode of um, if you're going to engage at all, let's go deep. Let's go all in. Like it's it's all or nothing for me. I think with that, and that's not I don't know. That's not realistic, and it's probably not healthy. Yeah, like there can be a, a gradient of relationships. I think it is hard for artists, particularly, because we are sensitive. And, you know, but then again, some artists are not this way. In fact, well, I mean, this is. I think this maybe is also to compound what you're talking about. There's the opportunist artists, Mm -hmm. which can fool you into thinking that they're your friend when they're just social climbing. And there's a lot of that.
1: Yeah. And I I think, certainly, we've all kind of been burned by that and... It you does, may have even done it. Yeah, it kind of worries me to think that that's happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and worries sh- me too. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it has. I'm, I'm sure there are people that feel that way. Um, but I also think that's just a byproduct of life. I don't think. Sure. It, I don't think it just applies to artists. I, I kind no, of definitely doesn't. Know. And I'm feeling myself kind of resisting this, like going back to the idea of the artist identity mm-hmm. thing, um, because we're humans. We're humans who make art, yeah. and you know really enjoy the process and feel proud of it and perhaps over-identify with it. Um, But at the same time, you know, I would say, like for you, one of the great parts of this podcast has been feeling like there's a depth and a friendship, and we've known each other for a lot of years. Uh, And it it was a friendship that, like, for a long time, I would say, like, oh, you know, we were acquaintances. I would call you a friend, but, you know, I thought highly of you, but... Uh, now I feel like I consider you a close friend because yeah. we've had these conversations and we've you know really gotten to that place. Yeah. And I think part of that had to do just with timing and getting to a place where we were both kind of feeling this need. And you had the idea for a podcast, and it's just been a good excuse to get to be better friends. Yeah. Um, but you know, what about all these instances in which we have these other relationships, like? You know, I, it's it's so interesting because a lot of the time I just feel like at the same time that I really want to have closer friends and feel included, uh, I also kind of identify with that loner wallflower, recluse. Mm-hmm. recluse thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it's subtle and I'm trying to dismantle that. Um, but at the same time, it, it does, I think, somewhat go back to kind of this Prophesized thing like this main character idea, too, which I think we'll eventually touch on in another episode. But, um, you know, how do you feel like you get closer to people, and what do you think is the importance of having close relationships in the music world and in general? Yeah. Because I think as we get older, too, we have to accept that, like, you're going to have less close friends. Yeah. People have kids, they get married. Like, that's just the way that the world sure. works. Sure. I think here I am in my 30s, and I, I'm just now starting to be like, maybe I shouldn't approach society like I did in high school. You know, I went well, to. Well, <laughs> it's funny how
0: much of an impact high school, mm-hmm. it, it kind of pervades our worldview. It, it becomes uh, our uh, framework for how things are supposed to continue to work. And that's just, it just doesn't. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it. We're. Um, and, and if you think back on. How many, just for high school, for example, if you actually think back on how many people you considered friends in high school that were really just acquaintances and people you were forced to share hallways with often, that was your, at the time, that was your concept of friendship. And if you're people like you or I, uh, you might spend time later down the line mourning those the the relationship that did not continue with those people, only to realize if you know if you're thinking clearly that they weren't supposed to, and maybe they'll pop back in, and and that's kind of the exciting part of life is allowing it to just be what it is, even if that means that was the end of the line for that. Yeah. But it, then I mean I had somebody uh, less than a year ago that I haven't spoken to since high school, and honestly wasn't super tight with. Uh just happened to be coming through Nashville, and we had a he called me up. We had a great time, yeah, never would have anticipated that happening. I mean part of that you could uh credit to technology because that 's how we 've kept in touch from at arm's length, you know, but like i'm glad that he reached out because what a cool it was a good hang, yeah, you know, and it it connected me to my roots, especially living down here in Nashville, as long as I have it's nice to be
1: stay connected to where I grew up for sure. And I, I think for me, I've always really like felt like my roots always remained back mm-hmm. in Southern Illinois. like it's interesting, as you were talking, I was thinking like honestly, some of those people in high school were the people that for a long time I was most trying to impress, <laughs> even if I hadn't talked to them in 10 years. yeah like that whole you know, I was student council president, so I'm supposed to be responsible for our reunions. Mm-hmm. And I told them in high school that I was not going to do that, <laughs> and we have not had reunions. And there's a part of me that feels kind of bad about that. you that's like God mode, dude. Well, it's just I, I These reunions hinge on your Well, isn't that amazing? Like and part of it is that, like, well, I don't want to do a reunion until I've gotten to a place where I feel like I can be proud of you. And you actually either. get to control it in this case. I've I've tried to relinquish it. I've told people back there that How big was your high school class? Like Not people? very big. I mean it was a hundred or so. And so I went to a high school where it was like, it was a great school. I had a lot of friends, mm-hmm. some of which I still really talk to. I mean, the people I still talk to today were ones who were close friends then. Sure. And that's been great. Uh, but I've never quite allowed myself to be at home here mm-hmm. until recently because I was so attached to like how I was being perceived by this crowd that has gone on and lived their own lives. Yeah, You know, and... It's interesting because, and it's so easy to compare too. Um, You know, I think a lot of times I weigh the depth of my friendships here by the depth of friendship that I had back home.
0: Of course, which ironically, those friendships back home probably don't have the same bond and weight that you remember them. I mean, some of them maybe do. A couple of them, we all have
1: those friends, yeah. But,
0: but I think you know, at least speaking for myself, I. I put a lot of weight into all of them. I think it's just simply because we share this home turf that even if I don't talk to them every day, it's still a more solid relationship than the people that I see regularly here in my new community. And if I really break it down, that's not true at all. And in fact, that can be affirmed when I do go home and see those people. I'm like, and oh, they like, who's wow. that long hair? Yeah. I was
1: <laughs> <laughs> who's that? He looks rough. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, and I, I actually, do, I think it's important for me, or it has been, to have those friendships, partly because it does keep me grounded in a past that like, I have felt distant from for a long time, and mm-hmm. just the circumstances of my life immediately post high school kind of sort of severed the umbilical cord in this kind of, you know, sudden and unexpected way. Um, and it's just taken me a long time to get to a place where I can kind of say, like, I'm glad that I have those relationships as opposed to like I feel sort of embarrassed because many of them went on to have more practical paths and I'm proud of them and like have done a good thing but then here I am like wallowing in this perception of being a failed musician. Sure, Uh, I haven't quite gotten there yet but when I get to this, then I can proudly march back in. And, and that's not... It's just unnecessary. And it's also never going to arrive. It's never going to arrive, and then I go back there, and I see how much time passed and how much I missed because I was so busy yep. feeling like I had to make myself worthy for these people who loved me before any it, of this right, started. that's just it. Yep. You know, and so it, it's like kind of that feeling of living in neither place. hmm And I'm just now getting to a place in Nashville where it's like... You know, you have a lot of good friends here, and there can be a lot of that depth. And it may not be the same dynamic that you had in high school. It probably shouldn't be the same dynamic. You're older than that now, and (laughs) like you don't want to go back to
0: certain. And the the grounds of which the relationship spawned are different.
1: Yeah, it's just a different. I think. I think,
0: I think as we get older, we we really crave new friendships to be rooted the same way which is based on a time in our life that will never exist again we have to accept that like if you think about the relationships that we're talking about from back home most of them were spawned in a very um, fertile time in our life when like our responsibilities were less you know our parents were taking care of most things the the world was still very fresh and new and we weren't as career oriented it was just about having fun most of the time. I mean, you know, we all we probably you and I especially if we had picked up a guitar at that point, we we had some goal in mind. But at the end of the day, it was kind of about like, I mean, we were more in the moment than we are as adults, you know, because we weren't thinking that we didn't have that level of foresight. Plus, we thought our teenage years and our twenties were going go on forever. Yeah, <laughs> that's the the gift and curse of of youth. But that an adult relationship can't have that, and I think that's partly. Why we probably compare it because we crave that. We think, well, I don't. Know, I don't know if you did this, but was um, particularly the first few years that I had lived down here in Nashville. Well, I'm sure you've done this. Everybody does this. You know, when you travel and you see somebody that reminds you of somebody back home, and it kind of gives you a little heart tug. Like, yeah. Oh. Well, when you move to a new place, you find your people that are your, you know, your Nashville version of. Somebody close to you back home, and I found myself doing that uh, often. And some of them are still those people. Like I mean, yeah, that's my my Nashville so and so. I'm not going to name any names, but that's my, you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, and it fills in my Delaware gap, and so it feels me kind of fills fills that void that opened up when I when I moved. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, especially when you move to a town for a career whatever it is if it's art in our case the i don't know that it's possible to just come into this town without the um the grounds on which any new relationship will be career oriented yeah you know and that it's kind of hard to know what you're getting into i think when you when you engage in any of those relationships long enough, you'll if if you have enough of a discerning eye, then you'll know, okay, this falls under this category and this falls under this is maybe potential close friend blah, blah, blah. But if you're you know, a a hard on the sleeve type, then you're gonna want that, you know, category A for everybody. And that can be a hard thing to let go of. Mm-hmm. And I think there's the third category of, like I said, the opportunists. Yeah. You know, and that's
1: just something that I think we can all just shake off like fleas as quick as possible. (laughs) Well, and it's it's funny you say that because I was kind of thinking like there have been times in my life where I feel like I tried to convince myself that I could do it that way. Mm -hmm. I've never been an opportunist in the sense that I would step on someone or... And, and I've never intentionally done that. And, yeah. and I'm sorry if I've anyone has felt that this I've is done it. This is an official it. apology? This is my official apology. Well, like i expect go on the, some more for the same care, thing. Yeah, if anybody's listening I've heard you, I've you've taken advantage of your status. Yeah. Ed, Whew, that's, what a relief. What a relief. God. We deserve some care reactions. <laughs> <laughs> but... But it's like, I I think at the same time coming to terms with like, we all have different needs in that. And I think you can be sort of career oriented without being opportunistic in a cruel way. Mm -hmm. And there is a part of me that kind of looks to those people that can just keep that eagle eye on where they're headed and just push and not necessarily need that depth. Or maybe they're getting that depth from relationships that I don't see. I mean, because we just know each other passively in those events, but I'm not that person and it's okay. Like, I have to have some close friends. Like I have to have depth, and it's, at the end of the day, it's more important to me. Yeah, I have to have friendships that I can. But don't, talk about.
0: do you, do you also then have a little bit of guilt that you're not that able to be that person? Like when it comes to do you, do you uh, allocate a lot of your uh, self loathing around your career to your inability to be that person?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, why? So I, I definitely feel that way, and there's also an interesting component that the music side brings in, which Mm -hmm. is sort of like, I do feel like you sort of also have a community that kind of builds up around where you're at musically, like the genre you're playing in, kind of, you know, the years you've put in, and like that kind of stuff, Um, and certainly it's subjective to a degree, but like, it's... You have to be choosy about sort of the relationships that you invest in because like there's only so much bandwidth yeah. and there is certainly a goal in mind. It's changed. Like I'm getting to a place where it changes for me. It feels more kind of comfortable and like I'm trusting the process and I don't think the idea of like playing the big arenas and becoming the overnight success appeals to me at mm-hmm. all in the same way that it did in high school. Yeah, me, you know? me neither. Yeah. Um, and so now I'm at a place where I'm like I want some people that we can get together and have movie nights and like talk about whatever's going on and have these kind of conversations. Um but at the same time it's like I also like to be surrounded by folks that like I love the music that they're making and I really resonate with the art that they're making too. I, I
0: can't I can't be friends with somebody who whose art I don't like. I just can't do it. And you know I might be that person for somebody else. They may be like I can't I can't hang out with because yeah. I hate his music whatever the case, I mean, that's all completely subjective, but you don't realize how much of your other commonalities might hinge on your, how much you can jive with somebody's output.
1: Yeah. You know what I mean? Because in the same way that we over-identify with our own art, we over-identify others by their art. Yeah. And that feels nasty, but I think it's human nature. And again, it's like totally subjective. It's just art that you don't resonate with right yeah, and like that's a better way of putting I'm it i'm trying to say it in like a really nice way because like <laughs> no at the same time like i try to be friends with everyone i can and like i totally think that people should be making as much art as they can i come from that school oh absolutely i think it is a net add to the world no matter what and it's
0: just like i think everybody should pick up an instrument yeah but i don't want to be there to listen to them rehearse I don't want to be their roommate if they just learn to play violin. I guess that's what I'm saying.
1: You know what I mean? And that's a fair way of putting it, and it's, like, honest, you know, but it's just a point that I think plays into kind of this struggle for depth in relationships Mm -hmm. when the reality is, like, I you know, people don't all have to be best friends, and we don't all have to like each other's art all the time. You know, like, there are plenty of people whose music I really like that I'm sure they don't resonate super with my music, you know, and that's fine, Like, does it hurt my feelings in a private way? Of course it hurts my feelings. Like, but that doesn't mean that they're wrong in feeling that way. Right. Right? It's just, that's how it is. And I guess what I'm trying to get to with this conversation is more so that, like, dual, like, contradictory feeling that I have that's like, I feel so lonely and I really want friends, but I don't actually put in any of the work or, like, the effort to really dig in and trust someone enough to be vulnerable mm-hmm. in a way beyond this performative, generally music-related way. Yeah. You know? And we're all on our own paths looking for our own things, but, like, I, I'm getting to a place where I need to shed yeah, the skin of competition and this main character thing and, like, and just have some friends you know cuz it can be a lonely place to be and it is vulnerable and i think it is important to have some people in your corner that you respect the opinions of and
0: well and i think you know there's a difference between social climbing and putting yourself in the company of somebody's work you really respect mm-hmm. you know cuz there's a, there's a there is a, a vast difference between an opportunist who just sees somebody being successful and wants to jump on their coattails versus like Man, I think you're doing great work. Can I just hang out with you? Yeah. Cuz I I want to emulate that. Like I, I, that's gives me something to aspire to. That's that's a big difference. For sure. Yeah. Um do you uh have this thing that, that I have where um probably. <laughs> it's an itch that I have but <laughs> it gets rash. Yeah, it's a do, you have a do you have any cream on you for this thing? Um. Well, it's like there's the tendency to isolate that comes from insecurity, or kind of like what we were saying earlier about friendships from home, and like not wanting to go home to the reunion until you've got something to prove. Even on a on a that's on like a macro, but if the micro version were like even my friends here in town, I don't want to see until I've got something to. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yes. Uh, that's not a good place to be. I don't want to continue to carry on that habit. I just want to be able to hang out. And well, here's here's where I was actually going with it is I hate talking about music. Ironically, yeah. I, I I love having musician friends. It's like I forget who it was that said. Uh, it was a f- famous writer. He said his his worst nightmare is being in the room with other writers. <laughs> And that's partly true. Only if all of the conversation stems around writing. You know, like a networking party is just even if it's not called that, it's just my absolute nightmare. Yeah. And I think that's kind of averted me from a lot of potential relationships because if I if I hear that it's going to be a pick and party, <laughs> it's a Netflix night
1: for me. Like there's absolutely <laughs> no way I'm going to this party. A pick and party yeah i'm I'm the same way for sure
0: and if anybody outside of Nashville is listening to this, that's just kind of a common term used for you know come over this weekend, we're having a pick and party, and everybody picks up a guitar and does their song sometimes it's actually fun sometimes it can be I really do, cool. it depends on who it, who it's with, but I'll tell you what the the ones that are fun they don't call it a pick and party <laughs> <laughs> they just have a party and there just happens to be <laughs> guitar playing, and then that's I think it's the um the preface of like if it's a pick and party well there's you know I don't know it, it just rubs me weird but um so that that is I think my stipulation with who who's in my friend circle too is like if I if if the only thing we can ever talk about is music in fact I'd even put it on a scale I'd say if ninety percent of what we're talking about is is music then I am out yeah I'd like the opposite I'd like ten percent music, talk, everything else, let's talk life. Because at the end of the day, where does the art come from? It comes from the, the other 90% of life. You know
1: what I mean? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And Al and I talk about it all the time. You know, one of the issues that we've had in the city is that Al, you know, she is a music lover, but she wouldn't call herself a performer. I yeah. mean, she enjoys it and like she does it in a very pure and like just likes to do it kind of way. Um, But then so often we would go to these gatherings and it just kind of felt like it was so music-focused that she was kind of just like an accessory to me. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, that's John's partner. Um, You know, anyway, what are you working on? Like that kind of stuff. And it's like I'm... This is, a, I think, an interesting topic because I just feel myself constantly wanting to throw disclaimers and, like, circle around it because there's no right or wrong to it, right? No, there like is. We're right. <laughs> yeah, we're right. Do not call it a pick and party. <laughs> <laughs> just don't. Just don't. But There should be federal laws. <laughs> but I, exactly, and honestly, like... I guess what I found is not so much that I don't want to talk about music; it's that I don't want to talk about the business of music. Most that's of the time. really
0: what I'm. I'm I actually
1: it. like it when I have. I do have some friends that like. I like when they come over and we play guitar. I wish we did it more. Like sure, yeah, like that pure kind of thing that I had in high school high with school, my right, friends. I was going to say yeah, like where there was only five of us that really played instruments, and like right. there's a couple bands, and like it just it, there was just kind of that more pure, naive thing to it. And so I actually like it when I meet people and they're like, oh, there's this record that's just, you know, blowing my socks off. And, like, I love it and it inspires me or it intimidates me. Uh, because I just think, like, it's because of that performative thing. Yeah. Like, it's so hard sometimes to just be willing to say, like, you know, we actually are supposed to love music. and Yeah, like, yeah. You know, I listen to a Phoebe Bridgers record and I feel like crap because I think she is a genius. Like, sure, or Gregory Allen Isakov. Like, I listen to those cats and and that's inspiring to me to feel that way. And I think it's the the further up this like perceived ladder or the longer you've been here or the older you get, like the less it feels comfortable to just be willing to say like No, I I love music and mm-hmm. I'm really blown away by music and like, I would love to talk about kind of that love. But in the same way that I would say, here's a Netflix show that, like, we loved. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of.
0: Yeah, and I think that's the through line. It's like, it, it, we can talk about culture and talk about life, but it is, it's the music business part. It's like, because then it becomes, like, a question of, what are they trying to get out of me? Or what am I trying to get out of them? Yeah, You know, one of one of the things I've battled with within myself is, is I don't I I go through these spells and maybe you do too where you know it's kind of like the if you ever look at those graphs it's like a it's like a like a giant wave that just goes up it looks like a waveform in my in in my relationship with music uh, in terms of ambition you know there's the the up spell you're you're excited about something and you're really ambitious and you're thinking of all these big outcomes that could that could unfold. And then there's the crash. And then there's the next wave of ambition. And then there's the crash of disappointment. And I wouldn't say that I like myself more during the crash, but I don't like myself during the ambition. Yeah. It's like that radio headline Ambition looks pretty ugly on you. Or what is it? Uh, it ambition looks pretty. Yeah, I think that's the line Ambition looks ugly on you, or, or whatever that line is uh i i relate to that because i see what i if i get too focused on because I, the way i look at it the process for me is like i'm a do or die like if i'm gonna do it i'm gonna take it as far as it'll go otherwise it's not worth the effort and i mean that in, in like very practical terms of like if i if i wrote a song and recorded it and i think it's damn good and it's Belongs on a TV show. I'm going to see how far I can go with it, but in that process, I lose something in myself that I don't, and I don't like it. And 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 I lose. You know, I, I man, this might not be an accurate reflection, but it feels like I lose a bit of my humanity in the process. And so then I'm really repulsed by that. And when I see, it, I think it's because I see it in other people who maybe do it, maybe a little bit more fluidly and with more finesse. And so, it, and sometimes I don't notice it as much with them, but when I see it within myself. It, it repulses me and that's when I crawl back into my shell. I'm like, oh God, you became that person again. So then how do you muster up the mental strength and fortitude to get that ambition again? Well, I mean, I guess you learn and say, oh, well, I can do it. I can be ambitious and, and follow through without being that person. I haven't found that balance yet. And so I get nervous every time I'm ambitious about something and sometimes I think that's actually the root of, of procrastination, of, of holding off on sharing my work. It's not the creation of the work that I procrastinate on. It's the sharing of it, and I think it's largely for that reason, which is probably, you could say, a problem with patience. You know? Like, just allowing, you know, releasing the work and allowing it to find its home in the universe. But at the same time, then I I maybe i'm a little bit of a capitalist you know spiritually Ooh. i'm a spiritual capitalist <laughs> where i'm like no that Hashtag. i do actually have to show up i have to do i showed up to to make the song the song didn't write itself so how is the is the uh, opportunity for the song in, in the marketplace going to just show up it's not i mean to some degree it probably does you rely on luck you do have to share it and then just let it happen and let whatever's going to happen happen but if you read the stories, you know of of the people that are having more success. Well, they always wanted it. You know, it's like that question of wanting it. It's like somebody doesn't just become a. Uh, you know, we always hear about the the meteoric rise of fill in the blank or the overnight success, and it's not. It, and it, it does. It just doesn't happen to somebody. They wanted it and they pushed for it. Yeah, we just see the story and we love the story of. The narrative of the of the reluctant warrior, the the uh, um, rags to riches thing of like how you know they just showed up and luck fell into their lap. I don't think that's true. There is grit, you know. Yeah. And but I don't I don't want to be that person. And then at the same time, I bemoan when opportunities don't unfold like they might for one of my peers. Yeah. And you know where those things happen? At picking parties. <laughs> <laughs> picking parties and this and the like, you know, of yeah. other networking yeah. opportunities. Yeah. I just never want a friendship to be based on the potential for opportunity and I can smell it from a mile away. And some people are okay with that and it's it's neither right or wrong. It's like morally it's completely relative. It's just I can't stomach it. I can't stomach the fact that like, hey, we both under the mutual understanding that, or at least one of us is un- under the understanding that, like, this is, this is a means to an end. This is not a real friendship, at least not yet. Mm-hmm. But I crave the real friendship, and I'll put that first, often to the
1: detriment of career advancement. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I do the same thing and yet still sit back jaded and shy and anxious and like mm-hmm. overthink it. I mean, it's just so interesting that I don't really necessarily feel like I project onto others like the same kind of like repulsion that I feel in myself when I do it. Because mm-hmm. it's, it's just for me like, you know, we have a friend that I think is is really good at putting themselves out there and telling the story and making it a big thing. You know, um, and I was always like the polar opposite of that, right? And so, like for me, the example is I've played Loretta Lynn's Ranch a few times, right? Mm-hmm. And so that gig on Facebook sounds like an amazing gig, like right. wow! But the reality is, you're playing for the RV park, and they mostly want to hear James Taylor and like Wagon Wheel and stuff. And like it, it's cool. Like there is a part of me that's like, that's awesome. Like you did get to play that, but like. I am the one that posts, like, hey, played Loretta Lynn's Ranch, but it's not what you think. Like, it Mm -hmm. was the RV park. It wasn't that cool. Don't worry about it. But, like, I kind of have started to learn, like, just allow people to take it as it is. Like, you know, it's not being dishonest to just say, you played at Loretta Lynn's Ranch, and then people can be excited for you. Like, most of those people don't see me posting that as, oh, he's so ambitious, and oh, he's, like, look at him trying to like make something and, and push up this ladder. Well see right there I'm split
0: with you. Like I, I'm split on whether or not that is actually better to be transparent rather than fluff it. Or and the, or 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 also there's the fake it you know, because that's kind of the fake it to make it thing. Um Or if, you know, because I I do feel like, you know, a marketer will tell you it's, you don't have to tell the whole story. And that's more what I'm getting at. Yeah, Like, it's
1: not a fluff. It's just the truth. Like, you don't have to tell the whole, like, self-defeating version of it. Well, the
0: other side of it, I think, that maybe feeds that is imposter syndrome because you don't want to get found out for having fluffed the story. At least I, that's that would be my inner reaction to it is, like, your first instinct is to like, all right, let's, let's embolden this statement, maybe fluff it up a little bit. And then my instant next reaction is, but I'll get found out. Yeah. Which is at the end of
1: the day, we're all dealing with that, right? Yeah. And so I think it's important to be honest. Like, mm-hmm. don't tell, I, I don't like the idea of being fluff and making things up. But it, it's interesting because it feels sort of full circle to me because I think, you know, when I post that, it generally does really well back home like in Illinois, because it feels like an exciting thing. And like, it's a genuine excitement, it feels like. Sure. And that's okay. And so it just kind of reminds me again of that feeling of like, I have to be a certain level of worth to be able to be valid within mm-hmm. friendships and relationships. Yeah. And I especially feel that way back home because I feel like they are the people that could call me out as an imposter because they've known me since the very beginning.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: When the reality is I go to them, and most of them when I talk to them are like, I would love to be able to do that, like to be in Nashville and do exactly what you're doing, and like. And I look at them and say, I sometimes would love to have a more settled and practical and, you know, stable kind of position.
0: It's funny how we do that. We do and, you know, so much time. of it is based on um, accolades or measures that are outside of the real meaning of what of, of our work. Like, you know, I think about. I used to carry around a pride, um, a self-involvement, even of like, yeah, I'm not going to be part of the status quo, and I, I would kind of, um, you know, I, I would, I would kind of feel sorry for the people that either because of their parents or society's influence would take a job a career path that they that gave them stability but they put their talents aside their other talents or their creative pursuits. Mm-hmm. And it's not that I don't because I st- I just realized that it's more nuanced than that. There's people that genuinely fell in love with some other version of their of their life and maybe tapped into some other talent. Um but there's a there's still a difference between like there can be an artist that loves the path he chose and one that regrets it and once wishes he chosen the st- stable path. And there can be the person in the corporate world that genuinely loves it and doesn't regret making that decision. And then they did it, there's the other person that did it for the stability and does regret it. And you could say it's all about choice. You're choosing how to perceive it at any given moment and being happy with what you have. Yeah. But you know, I think what, you know, the, the, if we're talking about the, the person on the corporate side, for instance, because that's I'm using that it's just as an example because it it seems kind of more status quo than the artist life. Well, maybe not anymore, but um, as we've all become entrepreneurs, but the status quo being like, you know, you you took a job with a retirement plan and you can plan on putting your 40 years in whether it's with one company or five companies, whatever the case. And there's the one that really thrives in that environment and feels like they're fulfilling their purpose and then there's the one that did it for the what I would call the wrong reasons. Doesn't bring them fulfillment, and they're looking at the their artist friends from high school that moved to Nashville or Los Angeles or whatever, and are regardless of you know the the degree of success commercially that that person's had, they're still envy for that lifestyle, not knowing <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> that the artist
0: is looking the other direction, going like Jesus, if I just had a four hundred one k, yeah. You know, or like a better stock profile that this this would be a lot easier. And I wish I'd taken that path. And but that's not all of the artists. Yeah, that's those are just the ones that maybe aren't content with where they're at, and that is either coming from external or internal forces. You know, they might not be happy because they're poor, or they might not be happy because they just won't let themselves be. Whatever the case, you can be whatever you want and be happy or unhappy in any of these
1: decisions. I think that's absolutely true. And, uh, like, what's coming to me is, like, A, it reminds me of the first episode we did, which is sort of this codependency we have towards, like, fulfilling some path that we've set out on. Mm -hmm. But, like, in terms of kind of the relationships that we started out talking about, like... You can be on whatever path you're on, but you don't have to be alone on the path is what keeps coming back to me. Because, like, I definitely go back and forth between, oh, I'm really excited about this, I'm where I want to be, and then I also go to, like, oh, it was so dumb that I didn't go get a master's at this point, and, you know, now I'm in a stable place where I would love to have enough to, like, really live, you know, without and and really do that kind of thing. But it's just, like, I think about looking back at the high school friends and and we've gotten, you know, we're still fairly close, but like how many relationships here and there were missed because of that distance, because of that kind of like, they're looking this way, I'm looking that way, mm-hmm. and so we both get busy and try and work, and then all this time passes, and then we become different people, and then when we check back in, it's not the same thing. Yeah, And the reality is, you know, they're not thinking of me very often, and I'm not thinking of them very often, mm-hmm. with the exception of the close friends that we all have. Um, And it just feels to me like, at the very least, you know, whichever side of the path you're on, you always have the power to shift if you need to. But at the same time, you can just make yourself feel less miserable if you just accept that there's a lot of people on both sides of that spectrum. Mm-hmm. And like we put up all these walls of over identifying ourselves or over identifying someone else when the reality is like we're human beings that are so much bigger than all that. And mm-hmm. like it's just nice to not feel lonely uh, Absolutely. Like, at the end of the day. You know, and everyone's got that capacity for depth. Um, and at the same time, like every two people may not have the same capacity to get to that level of depth. And that's okay. But there's definitely people who can. Mm-hmm. And like, maybe, maybe we should go to some picking parties. <laughs> we could have one ourselves. <laughs> we could have a picking party. We'll make a banner. <laughs> yeah. If this I... episode gets. <laughs> twelve and a half years listen if we, if we get twelve care emojis, <laughs> we will throw, them.
0: you know some of my favorite people in the world don't work in music at all. I mean, like some of the my my favorite friendships, like the ones i I crave hanging with the most or have nothing to do with it, and it's not because there there's any you know they there's any adulation from them for what I do. It's the opposite. it's like we just don't talk about it that much, yeah. Uh, and, and again, it's like they know me for me, or even if it's a newer friendship, it's like I don't know, man. It's, it's I think it's partly you know sometimes. I, I think I speak to artists particularly with this one, where if you crave, um, you know what I would call normalcy, only in how it pertains to, again, the status quo. The we crave a. a I guess stability maybe is more it, but it's some sense of like I want to be around a person who doesn't feel so drawn to identify with their job. A job is just a job. Mm -hmm. Like I, there's something really attractive about a um, a mechanic who likes cars, but doesn't. You know, it's it's a job. He goes, shows up, comes home to his family has a good time. And like, I generally, I'm attracted to that kind of person. Like I want to be in their company because it takes me out of myself and it just reminds me that like, hey dude, you don't have to take yourself so seriously. Yeah. (laughs) You know? And as cool as you think what you're doing is, it's in the big picture, it could or could not unfold the way you want it to and it doesn't matter. It's actually a relief. Yeah. You know? Totally. So, um, before I moved into Nashville proper, I lived outside in, a, in a, more of an urban area. I mean, a uh, um, my God, talk about brain fart. <laughs> What's the opposite of urban? Rural. Jesus, thank you. Yes, rural. Um, a rural area called Carthage. And I mean, I wouldn't say I had a lot in common with some of the people that lived out there, but what I enjoyed about them is that they did exactly that like i had a i had a warehouse job when i first moved here moved there and it was just guys that like literally just drove box trucks around or filled those trucks at the warehouse and then they went home and they didn't think about it and they drank beer and they did whatever they had their rural country parties you know and i i loved it i didn't go to the parties that much but i was i was around it enough to go like oh this is this is freedom you know <laughs> Because I can't, this was only a couple years into me being here and being on this hot
1: pursuit. What's so funny? I'm just imagining them having like some barbecue outside, and you're like awkwardly way on the other side. Okay. Now, this is living. <laughs> now, there's that guy again. Yeah, with binoculars. Can we help you? <laughs> Sir, uh, this is
0: private property. <laughs> you guys really know how to party. We do. And we need you to leave. But anyway, the, you know, I remind myself of that whenever I get two in my head with um and so it doesn't necessarily need to but but again, it kind of comes down to like wanting then craving to like cultivate relationships with people like that or however you want them, but at the end of the day, you're still maybe wanting more out of a, of a relationship than is reasonable for sure or necessary.
1: What? Like, like,
0: could it just be enough that I know that these people are out there and they're they exist, and I had a short interaction with them, and I can carry what I need—the little jewel from that—that that I that I need it—and then move on? Because that is ultimately how the world works.
1: Yeah, all relationships—all just
0: bacteria like, I, bumping into each other. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was cynical.
1: That's not how I meant it. Well, it's interesting because I felt like kind of the one piece that we haven't really covered in this topic, and I don't think we've gotten to any real answer because— We don't do that. We don't do answers, and there's no right or wrong way. I mean, it's just, you know, don't be afraid to get out there and make some friends, I think is what I'm taking away from it, and that they don't all have to be best friends. Like, it might be nice to go play darts with someone that you just talk about whatever with, you know? That's Mm -hmm. fine uh I definitely have like that same level of romanticized idea of relationship as I do with a band and yeah you know but the question I guess I that kept coming up for me was like we're in a city now where it's everywhere like every everyone you meet has some generally music but an art form but what about like those that are in a town where you're kind of the only musician like mm-hmm. Because that was more so my experience growing up. We had musicians, but it was, you know, five to ten, you know, and we just, those that played some instrument or found an instrument in the attic put together a band and did it. Yeah. Uh, And that can be a really isolating feeling too. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I think what you just talked about really helped with it is like, you know, recognizing that again, like the artist is not the identity. It's like you're a human being who has an art form that is, a generally respected and understood to be art form, yeah, you know, because I think there's a variety of them, and everyone has a capacity for creativity and depth, and like it at the very least like it helps, like you said to get over ourselves and just interact with people
0: well, the stuff that the good stuff of life is this is the when you lose yourself in the process and lose your um I mean for me, it's like. My best memories are when I when my ambition was at an all time low, or or it was at least in check, because I'm making more memories when I'm not so tunnel vision. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the, this whole this whole thing of life is an adventure, and like I just think about the times when I didn't feel tangled up in something, or I just would welcome the next new surprise, not worried about what you know. That's why I think road trips are so. Healing mm-hmm. it's because they get you away from unless you're you know on tour, which is technically a road trip, but probably a little more difficult to lose yourself in because you're still in this itinerary I think it's that it's like that you know I can't speak for Kerouac because he was at the end of the day a, a writer, right yeah, but like his writing seems to imply a freedom of that from that you know like that the the journey was the thing he just had the discipline to write and report back on it
1: well and i think of like thoreau and then i guess in the same lineage kind of that into the wild story Mm -hmm. you know it's super romanticized and like i've gone back and forth on thoreau in my life you know there was a period where i thought it was just really amazing and romantic and then there was a period where i thought it was really pretentious and whatever and now i'm kind of like trying to take it at face value as i interpret it and like I just think what you come away with is like yeah like you can find meaning and value in that sort of quiet solitude. I think that would be very valuable for me a lot of the time. I mm-hmm. think I'd be better off working in the soil than I would be staring at my phone most of the time. Oh,
0: absolutely. But I
1: also think you kind of come to that place of like relationship is important. Yeah. And a well, it's lot like of times the, the happiness is only real when it's shared. Yeah, and a lot of times we get caught up in mm. like how we define it and when we're ready for it and like saying, oh, well, I don't have time for these friendships, like these deep friendships because I'm busy working or doing this. And it's like, but I have relationships at work. And like, yeah, you can have boundaries to those. It's healthy to have certain boundaries and understand different depths. But like we're always surrounded by people. And like most of the time what this show's taught me, this podcast is like, A lot of people feel the same way Mm -hmm, from a lot of different walks of life. And a lot of people are feeling the same kind of loneliness, the same kind of invalidation. Uh, And, you know, honestly, it would be helpful to me, I think, to just kind of like be connected, you know, allow myself to be connected.
0: Well, you know, I think, and we can, I think this is what we should touch on next time. Um, But just to tap into it real quick now is the hustle culture. Mm hmm. We're we're just spoon fed it, and I mean it is kind of like it's just a byproduct of, of or it's a, it's an evolution of, of capitalism in the tech world, but like the the hustle culture that we're we're being constantly bombarded with, it all that does is is take you out of the moment, yeah, because you're always looking ten steps ahead, and I think. If you are the type of person that thrives on that, great. But for somebody like you or me, probably, um, you know, I read something recently. I may have even shared this on a previous episode, but uh, um, I think it was James Clear that wrote that. You do, do you remember this? It was. Uh, it was. Um, if you're, you're not or or you you can gauge your progress based on how much you've, um, what is it? Your progress can be measured by how much you mourn for missing out. Hmm. That's not an exact quote, but the idea being that in order to progress in whatever it is you're, your project is or your your goal, you have to mourn all these things that you're missing out on. And so like sometimes that's helpful for me to to actually just sit and focus, right? Focus on the work. Yeah. But then I question, is that really what life is? I mean, because I I yeah, I do I am missing out on some things as a result. There's you have to choose, right? Yeah. Or it's like the other one, uh, the you, you there's two pains in life, the the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. And yeah, I don't want to be the Ivan Ilch who looks back and regrets having not pursued the thing that I set out, but I also don't want to look back and realize that I maybe inadvertently sabotaged some important moments and relationships in my life because of this tunnel vision. Yeah. So it's like at every given moment, that's going through my head of every decision I make. It's really noisy in my head because of it, you know. And I guess there's you could say, well, you just have to make a decision and be glad about it. But I, I don't know. I don't know how to do that. I, I, I think if if I'm being honest with myself, yes, I want all of the things that I that I because I, I like the work. Yeah. But I also know what the work takes me away from. Sometimes the work involves great memories that are being made. It involves a great experience and a journey, but most of the work, you know, is is solitude. It's working alone. I'm not saying that that's good or bad, but it just depends on your personality, and I, I don't know how to just
1: um, let go of whatever it is that I'm, I have to mourn. I, I think that's a brilliant way of putting it. Um, you know, what comes up for me for sure is kind of that, like, whatever it is you're doing, like, just do it. Be in that space. Sure. Like, cause so often, like I'm so busy mourning that I'm not really doing either thing. Exactly. And it continues Wherever to be there. Wherever you are, like, be there. Yeah. Just be there yeah. like, and be okay with that. And yeah, we're going to miss out on things. And I could choose to go, you know, spend time with family or friends and that could be really fulfilling, but I could miss out on an opportunity or like maybe it was time I could have spent working. It's, it's just a balancing thing but for me it's the same kind of noise in my head and like it seems to me that the peace for me comes from like just trying to get rid of the noise and say like i'm just going to be in this space right now right and i think it's a great topic for another episode cuz it it brings up for me too this idea of like not all ambition is like a gross thing mm-hmm. like i definitely sometimes feel like i'm driven towards a certain goal because I'm, like, so quickly trying to get to this mountaintop that will allow me to, like, bring everyone I love to this space, you know, like, yeah. like, I,
0: I... Most of them probably won't even call you back because you care emoji
1: Yeah, exactly. their post
0: about their dead puppy.
1: <laughs> but it's, like, I, I think about, like, there was a time... Oh, I just had a horrible image of a dead puppy. Brad, how dare you? Oh, what a way to close an episode. <laughs> Well, it's like I think about, you know, the times Al and I have gone and stood at, like, we got to go to Cadillac Mountain in Maine one time, and that's where the sun rises first for a few months a year, and it's just this stunning vista. But I just remember feeling like, though it was this really beautiful moment, like we had just started dating within days of that, like, I felt so sad because I was like, I wish everyone I cared about could see this Mm, with me right now. Yeah. and that I think is a really pure form of ambition like mm-hmm. yes there's something I can learn about presence for myself and acceptance that like maybe they don't even want to be up on the mountain it was like four in the morning and it was freezing <laughs> and we all had altitude we both had altitude sickness but yeah. like that's a pure form of ambition yeah. like that's a path that like I can be okay with like wanting t- the best for Everyone around me and like these important relationships, like, yeah, no one wants to get to the top and have no one left, you know. Sure. And so,
0: wow, that's a. I mean, that's a really graphic analogy. Actually, I mean, it,
1: NSFW. What is that? Not safe for work. You okay. said graphic. Oh. oh <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, y'all. Your kids and your lingo. Mm.
0: Um. Yeah. Well, you know, part of that is, I think, us being a little bit selfish about what we want not, yeah. and not considering what anybody else might want something differently. But also, it's us because we love people too much. That's it. Yeah. We're just lovers. We just love machines. <laughs> that's it. All right. So Thus concludes this episode. <laughs> All right. Next time, we'll talk about... Um,
1: Hustle culture.
0: That sounds like a good one. I think that's cool. All right. Peace out. Thanks for listening to an Academics episode whatever.